0: Would you do this this morning? Would you turn to Proverbs chapter number six? We're going to continue a series that we started last week called A House Divided. I really felt that last week was one of the more important messages I've ever preached, considering what's happening in the world today, specifically in America. And last week I touched base on how I feel like there is a plan from the enemy to divide. And you see it out in the world, but it's creeping into the church, that the devil is trying to divide us among racial lines, ethnic lines, among political lines. And and many are giving into it, where we think to ourselves that if you don't look like me, talk like me. Uh, act like me, vote like me, then I can't worship with you. And so so we have to guard against that kind of mentality, and we have to believe that, hey, we're all here together, and you may not look like me, you may not have voted like me, but we're all here to gather together to lift up one name that's above every name. His name is Jesus, and he's the one that unites us. Amen. And so that's what it is all about. And I didn't say this last week, but I really felt compelled to say it this week because I believe with all of my heart that racism is sin. I said it is sin. It is not a, well, this is my culture or I grew up here or, or I'm from a different generation. It's just sin. It is always sin. And so we have to start with that mentality. God loves everyone the same. And so we have to gather under his name, not under some other kind of banner. And so that's how we get divided. So let's talk about this week some great dividers. Great dividers. And the first one is this, gossip. Now, I hope you got your shout in during worship because there's probably not going to be a lot during this particular message. Now, I know that that's for other people in other churches, but let's just talk about it today because gossip is a divider. Now, if you were to totem pole sins, and we don't, right? We don't put sins in a category from worse to not so bad. Some do. We don't. But if you were to say, I'm going to list out the worst possible sins, you probably would get pretty far down the list before you got to gossip. But watch what the Word of God has to say concerning gossip. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 16. And here's what it says. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven, listen to this, seven are an abomination to him. Oh, time to pay attention. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. You say, Pastor, what's he talking about there? He's talking about, I believe, many things, but one of them is abortion. I believe abortion is an abomination to God, and God hates it when an innocent life is lost. Somebody say amen. A heart that devises uh, wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil. Listen to this, watch this. A false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. A false witness, a false witness. Scripture after scripture talks about gossip. It uses some different words. It will talk about a tale bearer or a whisperer. Proverbs chapter 16 says that a gossip separates. It separates close friends. Listen to me, church. Gossip is a divider. Now, you know how it starts. Somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I really shouldn't say this. No, no, I'm not going to say it. No, I'm just not going to say it. And you know what we do? Oh, come on, you have to now. Now that you started it, you got to finish it. I won't say anything to anybody. You know, that's how it starts. Or it starts like this. Hey, you know, would you pray about this with me? This is something I need you to pray about. It's heavy on my heart. That's just something on my heart that's so heavy. And we go right into it. You know, it starts like that. But watch, watch, watch how serious it is to God. In Proverbs chapter number 26, here's what the Bible says. It actually begins to talk about gossip. And it says that the seven abominations, the seven abominations are in the heart of a gossip. When he speaks, it says, don't believe him. Now, it's talking right there about a talebearer or a gossiper. All seven of what I just listed, the Bible says, are in the heart of a gossip. That elevates gossip. That makes it more serious maybe than, than we might think. God takes gossip very seriously. He calls it an abomination. He says to bear a false witness, to, to spread a rumor. Now let's just throw it all in. Whether you think it's true, whether it is true, whether it isn't true. When you, let's just throw everything in. When we begin to talk about people in a malicious way, God says that it is hateful to Him. It is an abomination to Him. That's how serious it is. And so we have to just guard against gossip. It is scripture after scripture. God is saying, don't let it come out of your mouth. Shut it down. Block it out. You have to do everything you can to keep away from it because it is a divider. It's a divider. The second thing I want to share with you, the second great divider is complaining. It just gets better, doesn't it? It just gets better, this sermon. is just getting better every moment. Complaining. Complaining. Now, let me just show you because you might think, well, is God really that serious about that one? Watch, watch from the word of God how serious God is about this one. Numbers chapter 12. Now let me just give you a little bit of background. Moses is, is leading the children of Israel and he actually takes on a wife of a different race, a Kushite woman. She had a different skin color, different ethnicity. And so he marries this woman and there's one particular person two actually, but one speaks out and she begins to talk about Moses behind his back. She begins to complain. I'm not exactly sure what she said, but she begins to say, oh, he shouldn't have done that. Why did he marry her? And Why did it have to be a Cushite woman? And she begins to just talk about him behind his back and God got so angry at the situation that here's what happened. God actually comes down in a cloud, gathers them together, shows up and says, I am tired of you guys complaining and says, Moses is my servant. He's who I chose to lead. And watch what it says in Numbers chapter 12. It actually says this, Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? so the anger of the Lord was aroused against them and he departed and when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow and then Aaron turned to Miriam and there she was a leper instantly her skin became white so God's kind of saying hey you want white? no he didn't say that I'm just making that up (laughs) some of you get that that's a joke Grenade, you'll get that at lunch today when you go get that later. God actually comes down and says, "How? what are you thinking that you would complain against my servant? Because when you're complaining against the person that that I put there, when you're complaining against someone that I love, when you're just throwing out insults, when you're tearing people down, guess what? You're actually attacking me. And because she became leprous, here's what had to happen with her. If you go back and read all that used to take place, they had to remove her from the camp. She had to live outside. She could have no contact with anyone. She had to put bells around her waist so that people could hear her coming. And if anybody was within any distance, she would have to scream out, Leper! Leper! And that's what happened to Miriam. And she had to stay outside the camp for several days until God healed her body and they could bring her back and they could continue on with the journey. It was complaining that separated her. I said it was complaining that separated her. She just decided that she was going to be a complainer. Here's what happens when you complain. Complaining becomes a part of your DNA. It's not just something you do Eventually, it becomes who you are. You become a complainer. And listen, people don't want to be around you. They just don't want to be around you. When I was pastoring in North Florida, just a young guy, man. I mean, I'm still young, but I mean, I was younger. And we had a lady that came every week. Her name was Thelma. Of course, it was. And so she she comes to church and she sat on the second row. She was an older lady, and I'd come up to her. Every week, every week, every week, week, every week, I would say, Sister Thou, and I knew it. I knew what was coming back. I knew that it was going to be my achy back, my arthritis, my knees, my grandkids, my bank account, the government. It was, I was going to get a five-minute dissertation on every problem that she had. She'd just complain every week. And then I'd come back the next week. Sister Thelma, how are you today? Oh, oh, pastor. And it was the same thing every week. In fact, I used to sit in my office and go, Jesus, help me. Give me the strength to go out there another day. Because I know what's going to happen. And I wanted to avoid her, but she's on the second row. And you know, in small town, small church, you had to shake everybody's hand. Otherwise, they weren't saved So you had to shake everybody's hand on the way in and on the way out. And so every week I would just say, hey, Sister Thelma, and every week she would just complain. But you know the interesting thing about this? When I got to the end, I was there for five years. My wife and I were there for five years. When I got to the end of five years, I began to realize something. I said, you know what? In five years, and all that she went through, and listen, we loved her. I took her home from the hospital because she didn't have a ride. I put her in my pickup truck come on sister Thelma let's go I mean we were just in the pickup truck I took her all the way home we loved her we we gave them you know we helped her financially at Christmas did everything we could for them in five years do you know that she never once never once in five years came up for prayer and I thought my goodness I preached every Sunday morning And every Wednesday night, and she was there every Sunday morning, and every Wednesday night, and in five years, there's nothing you wanted to pray about? No, because she just wanted to complain. It became a part of her DNA. It became part of her. It's who she was. She was just a complainer. And I thought, why do you want to live like that? Why do you want to live your life at the complaint counter? Why do you want to just be like that? Because what happens is people begin to just avoid you. They just avoid you. Listen, misery loves company and misery wants your company. So we have to guard ourselves. So here, let me give you three things real quick. Three things to do. In fact, they are questions to ask yourself concerning gossip and complaining. And the first one is this. Is this necessary? Before you say anything, say, is this really necessary? Is this this important? Is this necessary? When my wife and I were youth pastors, we took a bunch of teenagers on a mission trip. We said, let's go on a mission trip. We went to Mexico. And I handed out, right before the trip, as we were getting on the plane, I handed out rubber bands, these big fat rubber bands. And they said, Pastor, what are these for? I said, well, just put them on your wrist. And here's what I want you to do. Sometime during this week, you're going to find yourself eating a meal you don't like and sleeping in a bed that is not very comfortable and there's going to be a lot of opportunities this week for you to complain a lot of them i promise you so here's what i want you to do i want you to grab this rubber band right when you're tempted to say something right when it comes and i want you to pull that thing out as far as you can pull it out and i want you to just let it go and let it just snap back and that'll help you it will help you avoid the temptation to complain and man, towards the end of the week, I saw these kids with wrists all red. And I thought, I'm going to jail. I don't know if this is, this is illegal, I think. I don't even know if this is right. But you know what? I had one on too. I wanted to complain too. Because I want to complain about them. I'm, Lord, I'm going to kill these kids. <laughs> I'm snapping it myself, man. We're going to hand these out next week. I thought, you know, I'm help you guys as well. Why? Because it's such temptation to say things. But the truth is, ask yourself this. Is this really even necessary? Is this necessary? Should I say this? Is this important? The second thing is this. Am I talking to the right person? Huh? Research shows that 60% of what we say when we talk about people is we're talking about people who are not present. 60% of the time. When we're talking about people, most of the time, 60% of the time, we're talking about people who are not present. Now, we have to ask ourselves this. Are we talking to the right person? Now, I'm not saying you can never complain. This is the part that you're going to love, okay? There is an avenue for that, and sometimes it is necessary. In the book of Acts, the Bible says that a complaint arose because widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food and so here's what happened they heard the complaint it went to the right person and they did made a choice they grabbed some men hey say, we're going to vote in some men they're going to be deacons and guess what we're going to we're going to take care of this thing so there is sometimes the need to complain and every wife says amen right sometimes it's necessary But you just have to ask yourself, am I talking to the right person? I decided this week, I was preparing this message, I thought, you know what? We're just going to establish a complaint department here at Grace Chapel. We're going to have a a complaint department. This is going to be a a time and an opportunity for you to complain. And it's going to be every Monday through Friday from 6 to 7 a.m. We've got morning prayer. And you just come and spend the 40, first 45 minutes, you just complain away. You go for it. get off into a corner we don 't want to hear you talk under your breath, but go off into a corner and tell God all about that husband, those kids. The government, you just complain away. And you watch. It won't be but a day or two days before God just gives you a little adjustment and just a little perspective. And you just, you'll just you find yourself that you won't be complaining long. Listen, the first person you should talk to is God. Can I get an amen from somebody? I said he's the, he's the first person you should talk to. So ask yourself this. Am I talking to the right person? And then the third thing is this. Ask yourself this. Am I building them up or am I tearing them down? Am I building them up? Are the things that I'm saying building them up or tearing them down? Are the words that are coming out of my mouth? Are they edifying or are they tearing them down? Pastor Alex and I were talking before service and I said this. Have you ever met a successful complainer? someone who complained constantly who is successful. And I thought about that question and I said to myself, you know what? Today, yeah. 40 years ago, no. 40 years ago, there were no tabloids. 40 years ago, when you turned on the news, you actually got news. Huh? You got real news that you could believe. Now, all you get is opinion and complaints. And guess what? We've made millionaires out of complainers. We've got, we go to grocery stores and you've got tabloids filled with nothing but lies and they're selling. Otherwise they wouldn't be there. I think to myself, who's buying this? Who buys this? That an alien came down and met with the president. Who buys this stuff? But somebody's buying it and it's filled with Gossip. After gossip, lie after lie. But people just want it. Because here's why. They want to tear somebody down. Listen, I want to be around people that build you up. There was a... There's a, there's a little statue in my office of David killing Goliath. It's a little statue. It's really nice. It's a limited edition. And it was given to me by the widow of a man I knew in North Florida. After he passed away... She said, Pastor, I want you to have this to remember him. Because this man, I used to, when I was a youth pastor at a church, I used to come in and I used to talk to this guy every week. His name was Chuck. And I was just, man, I was, I was like in my early 20s, 23, 24, just starting off as a youth pastor. I didn't know nothing. I used to get on the microphone, it was horrible, right? And, and after service, Chuck would always find me and he called me Brianna. I don't know why, but he had the greatest voice. It was all raspy, had a raspy voice. And Brianna, man, that was the best message ever, Brianna. I knew it was not true. I knew it was terrible. When you pray, Brianna, I feel God. I feel God, Brianna, when you pray. And he said, and he'd always look at me. Brianna, where'd you get that suit? Some $50 suit I got at some podunk store, right? With $2 tie. Brianna, you are looking so fine today. I love that tie, Brianna. I love that suit. You are looking good, right? Man, a couple weeks of that, and I was like, I like this guy. He's, there's something about him. He's special. This is my new best friend. And so every week, I would go find Chuck. If I was feeling bad, I mean, if I just thought, I don't know if there's ministries for me, I would just go find Chuck. And Chuck would just lift me up. Man, when you got done with Chuck, you thought, I am better looking than people are saying. I, I really am. I am handsome. Woo! Look at me. I mean, I thought to myself, suit was way too big, size 42. I was like a 38. I mean, he's like i like, man, this fits me good. I'm looking great, you know? Oh, sagging down to here. I thought, man, Chuck just lifted you up. And I thought, man, if everybody was like this, huh? Imagine if we had a church full of, people, full of people that when you walked in, they just made you feel like, hey, God loves you. He cares about you. Man, you are special in the eyes of God. Man, if they just lifted us up, amen, listen, that's who we want to be around. Why do you want to be around a complainer? Why do you want to surround yourself with that? No, 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 no. I've decided life is too short to spend at the complaint counter. I want to get on with my life and I want to surround myself with people who are going to build me up and not tear me down. Somebody say, amen. Listen, Ephesians chapter 4, listen to what it says. Verse 29, we'll end with this. It says this, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth But what is what? Good for necessary edification. That it may impart grace to the hearer. Why does it say necessary edification? Because we need it. It's necessary. You need to be built up. You need to surround yourself with people who will build you up. Man, you need to get into a small group and surround yourself with people who will lift you up. Man, you need to be in in a place where you're guarded from the gossip and the complaints. Why? Because those things divide us. God wants us to be united. And to be united, we have to really guard what we say.